Today's scripture reading is from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put on his own animal, he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The day he took the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning on this uh, crisp and beautiful Wednesday morning. Uh, It is good to be uh, together in this way again. I want to begin by acknowledging and honoring our staff and students and faculty who are veterans on campus on this Veterans Day and thankful for each of you and continue to pray God's strength and abiding presence in your life. And um, we have come to our final Wednesday of chapel this semester and we have been journeying through the words of the Shema. Uh, We've been working particularly key words as we've been highlighting these past few uh, Wednesdays of the semester. The words hear, hear, O Israel. The word love, sorry, the word Lord. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love, love the Lord, your God. Heart, with all of your heart. Soul, with all of your soul. Strength with all of your strength. And if I can sum up what it means to embody love, um, it could be summed up in this simple and yet profound truth that to embody love is to become more and more like Christ. This means to be shaped and made new in the likeness and image of the one who is the true embodiment of God's love. That God's love that became flesh and dwelled among us. That we are invited to participate in the life and ministry and death and resurrection of Jesus. Becoming less of who we are and becoming more of who he is. To be able to live lives of love that can boldly proclaim as Paul does, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. To live in love in such a way that is noticeably and distinctly different from any other way of living or loving. You know, in a world of hate, 
in a world of fear and division, that has become our pattern. But as people, we are called to embody love, to embody the life of Jesus. We are called to to different patterns motivated by grace, love, and unity. We are called to a different understanding of power dictated by the ways of the kingdom, where the first will be last and the last will be first. In the Gospels, uh, Jesus is constantly challenging and, uh, the understanding and the ideas of his followers of who he is and what the kingdom is all about. Many times, and particularly uh, for some reason in the, the Gospel of Mark, Jesus would reveal something about himself or about the kingdom of God, and the disciples would leave perplexed. They would leave questioning. They just didn't get it. And oftentimes, the way of Jesus just seems so opposite of the ways in which we are, we are inclined to do, the ways in which we want to live, our patterns, our understanding. In the scripture that was just read, uh, we read of a lawyer, a lawyer who asked Jesus a question, and he starts off by calling Jesus a teacher, and he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, there's actually another moment in the Gospels where Jesus is approached with that same question by another man, a man who is rich and young, the rich young ruler. And he calls him good teacher, and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And in both circumstances, they are pointed to the commandments. For the rich man, Jesus points out the commandments that talk about showing respect and love to others. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And then Jesus tells him, you still lack one more thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and follow me. And he too leaves perplexed. He leaves questioning, leaves confused, and ultimately he leaves sad. It challenged his understanding, and he just couldn't do it in Jesus' way. Now, we go back to this story of the Good Samaritan to the lawyer, and Jesus points him back to the law and asks him, what does the law say? And he responds with the words of the Shema. And in this passage, we notice an addition to loving God with our mind and loving our neighbor as ourselves to love with our understanding, to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And I believe these two things, uh, to love God with our mind and to love our neighbor with like ourselves goes hand in hand. Because it is in our mind where we have built our understanding and our views of others. You know, whether we admit it or not, we have biases Our lives have been shaped to understand others in certain ways. Uh, These are are people who we should fear or not fear. Uh, These are people who we trust or not trust. These are people who are going to harm us or the people who will fight for us. And based on these understandings in our mind, this is the way in which we operate and see others. There are those we have deemed as neighborly and those who just take up space and we actually don't invite them into our lives. 
the lawyer asks a follow-up question. And so who is my neighbor? The passage says that he wanted to justify himself. And then Jesus just proceeds to tell the story that totally rocked his understanding of all of those and all of those who are listening. A story about a compassionate man, a man who sees someone in need, who puts himself in harm's way. While everybody else stood by and did nothing, he offers help, offers healing, he restores, he truly loves his neighbor. And out of all things, he was a Samaritan. And then he says, go and do likewise. It's like Jesus is like mic drop ending right there. Go and do likewise. And they're probably thinking, what? Like the Samaritan? Be like the Samaritan? Because in the Jewish mind and understanding, Samaritans were not to be associated with. They were the outcast. They were not one of us. They don't represent who we are as a people. You don't even enter into their land. I'm sure the audience was paying attention to Jesus' story that Jesus labeled the Samaritan as a neighbor and as a hero, and they were just baffled. The, the disciples were probably thinking, uh, Jesus, are you serious? Because in the previous chapter, in Luke chapter 9, the Samaritan, the, the, the disciples and Jesus went into Samaria wanting to be welcomed, and they were sent away. They were so upset that the Samaritans didn't welcome in, them into, into their land that some of the disciples actually asked Jesus, uh, Lord, do you want us to call fire from heaven and destroy them? This is their idea of who the Samaritans want, were. And even in their recent history, in their recent association with Samaritans, they were furious with them. And yet, in order to love others, to love our neighbors as ourselves, our minds and our understanding needs to be transformed. I remember when I was a teenager, my dad became a pastor of a congregation in Los Angeles. Um, I was not really happy about this move. I was about uh, 13 at the time. Our previous church was full of our family members and friends. It was actually so full of my family. Um, there were moments where like during a Bible study or service where they would say, hermana or hermana Trujillo or brother or sister Trujillo, could you pray for us? And like five people in the congregation would stand up because they were all Trujillos. My dad, his three brothers, and his one sister, and their families made up a large portion of our congregation. And honestly, this was a space that was uh, a safe, but it was literally familiar to me. Because in, in that space, I just felt like everyone was a part of me. I belonged to them. But now entering into this new church, I have to be honest, I was... Not really happy. There were many moments where I'd actually tell my dad, hey, I'm not going to go with you to church on Sunday. I'm going to go and hang out at our old church. And I would do that often. And uh, honestly, um, I made a lot of serious judgments right off the bat of the people who were there. There was one guy in particular that I made a, an assumption about. His name was Adolfo. He's a short and stocky man, uh, older than me tattoos all over his arm and his neck. 
He had previously been a gang member in Los Angeles. And now he was a Jesus-loving Sunday school teacher. And I remember thinking to myself, there is no way that this guy and I can be friends. There is no way that this guy has something to teach me. There is no way that he will be my hermano, my brother. But he learned pretty quickly that I loved music. Actually, he invited me to become part of the worship team when I started there. He was a singer, and I found that shocking because he was a rough-looking guy, mean-looking guy, uh, and his, with his rough exterior, he had this beautiful, high-pitched, angelic voice. You know, actually, when he would start singing, I'm like, dude, this guy could be on the Bee Gees. You know, like, he just had this, like, really just high-pitched, just beautiful falsetto voice, and it would just bring down, like, all of these walls and barriers that I had. He loved to eat. He loved to play volleyball and soccer. And over time, he became my friend, and he became a mentor to me. He had a desire to come to a school like this here at PLNU. And when I got accepted my freshman year, he learned that I was going to be part of the music department. And so he would call me up and be like, dude, how are things going at Point Loma? How are things at the music department? What are you learning? Then he started figuring out that I was leading worship here at, at Point Loma. And he would ask me all these questions. But he also had a strong desire to become a, a trained worship leader as well. And honestly, a man who I initially wouldn't have associated myself as being my hermano became more than a neighbor. He became my brother. And during the fall of my junior year, I received a phone call that he had passed away suddenly. And I had lost a friend, a brother. And yet I'm grateful for what he taught me. The ways in which he challenged my understanding of the ways that I see others. You know, oftentimes there are unexpected heroes. There are unexpected people who offer you kindness and compassion. And those are the ones that God uses to transform our minds, to reshape our understanding, to break down the walls that we have put up. Because often understanding our neighbor is limited because we want it to be limited. Like the lawyer, our minds are made up of who could be in our lives and who can't. Who we will love and those who we will fear and hate. Who is in and who is out. Yet I believe the challenge of loving God with all of our mind, with all of our understanding, and loving our neighbor as ourselves is giving up our understanding of others. Giving up our, our mentality and our view of others and allowing God to replace it with something new, the mind of Christ. In Romans chapter 12, verse two, the apostle Paul challenges us to not be conformed by the patterns of this world, to, to not comply, to, to not accept, to not let the patterns of fear of others shape your mind, but to see others differently, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know what God's will is for you. You will start seeing people the way God sees them. You will see the Samaritan as your neighbor. You will see people like Adolfo 
in your life as a brother or a sister. You will see people for who they are, image bearers of God, and desire to care for them, desire to love them, and to love those around you because they will emerge out of you because of God's great love that lives in you. Because love is not inactive, love does. I was challenged this past week by the words of this prayer that said this, Lord, if we are to be afraid of anything, let it be the fear of not committing ourselves fully to you. Let us fear that the day will pass without our having lightened the load of another. Let us fear that someone will come looking for you and only find us. My hope is that we can be a people whose understandings, whose minds are transformed by God's spirit. That we may be a people who are ruled by love and not fear. To live in the way of the kingdom is to live in a way in which we truly embody the life and love of Christ. That when all people come our way, what they will see is Jesus. They will see less of me and more of him. And so my hope is that we deeply understand that loving our neighbor is the very expression of our love for God. That we cannot do one without the other. And so my prayer is that our witness and testimony and our confession of being filled with the love of God be expressed in radical ways in the ways in which we love one another. By being people who offer kindness, mercy, forgiveness, grace, healing, and peace. May it be so.